Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. So when we get up there, Dryden Boss is waiting for us at Port Epso? Nearby, on his yacht. You're gonna know how to find it? That won't be a problem. So we start the 20 off where Beckett, Han, and Chewie are walking towards Dryden Voss's uh, meeting spot and they see his massive yacht. Uh, They board it, they uh, leave their weapons behind, go up. Uh, Han's told to kind of keep his nose to himself, but he bumps into Kira while he's there, uh, who kind of is a little deflective with her answers and Han quickly learns is working as... Uh, Dryden Voss of Crimson Dawn's top lieutenant. Not only that, Beckett comes back and is about to scold Han for uh, kind of sticking his nose where it doesn't belong. And that's when they realize that everybody knows everybody and something fishy is going on with Kira. And then, of course, in walks the vicious Dryden Voss, who is pro- questioning uh, Beckett about what happened with the deal. Uh, Infus Nest has been uh, bothering us ever since the beginning. How could you let this happen? I'm sorry, Dryden. I didn't mean to let this happen. Uh, and then they have to go have a little private discussion about how they're going to uh, square this little debt. Yes. So Beckett says that he'll be able to provide the same form of return, uh, but they can't figure out any means in which they will be able to steal that. Uh, So Han proposes the solution of stealing some unrefined coaxium, and then as a result of that, uh, they figure out that if they can rob the mines of Kessel, that that potentially would be able to get them the supplies that they need for Crimson Dawn. But that would then influence the relationship Crimson Dawn has with the Pikes. But Beckett and Han are not known associates of Crimson Dawn, so they're able to figure it out. But in order to do that, they're going to need one hell of a ship. And so Kira decides that they're going to go meet up with a retired playboy pilot who can uh, potentially lend them his ship. He is hanging out in a casino, uh, being kind of a shyster. Of course, it's Lando Calrissian. Han, cocky as always, uh kind of steps up to the plate, insisting that he should be able to win over Lando's ship, or at least win over his services as a pilot. Uh, But obviously Han wants to be the pilot. And so they engage in uh, a hand of Sabacc, which is some kind of intergalactic uh, poker. And there's some witty banter back and forth, some condescension. Uh, Han plays very well, but Lando cheats and ultimately wins the hand. And so uh, they have to discuss how they're going to use his ship anyway. Yes, so Lando agrees that he'll get a cut. Uh, Beckett's able to talk him down to getting only 25% of the cut of the take uh, in order to use his ship as the services because Lando, by being in retirement, really isn't in retirement. I figured out my main issue with... Because I know you don't like Lando. Well, my, well it's or, I love Lando. No, you don't like Donald Glover's. I figured out my main issue with... Because Donald Glover's Lando has always just seemed like a cheap imitation to me. It's always just seemed like him doing a Lando character on SNL. And I think my main problem, because he's doing the voice, and that always struck me as a little bit odd, but I guess you have to do the voice of the character. Yeah. It's, it's, it is in the voice, though, and it's volume. Everything older Lando says is really loud, and I'm so happy you're here. And That was a good Lando, first yeah, of all. Yeah, thank you. And, and Donald Glover kind of just whispers everything. It's like, thank you for sitting at my table. And You are 100% right. Yeah. That is really interesting that he really does yell everything with such force that although Donald Glover's hitting the voice right, he's not hitting it with the power he needs to to sound actually like Billy D. I think that's what we're missing here. Because You're right. That's a mannerism that, like, his accent wouldn't necessarily change over age, but maybe his maybe his, his behavior would or his, his demeanor would. But even the way Billy D speaks, like, even speaking through his teeth, 
he'll even have that like han yep and it's it's it's, it's more glottal it's in his throat yeah but it's 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 very it's it's a high volume it's very clear it's not kind of mumbled and muffled the way this is and although it sounds like him you're right it's mumbled and muffled as opposed to loudly enunciated right now i obviously love uh donald glover as an artist and of course it would be nice to get to see him uh, develop the character a little more it's not like i want to see someone else be young lando no uh, and I know you're not a fan of L3 at all. I hate L3. Can you expound on that a little bit for me? Because I'm not a big fan either, but I only have one issue with her character, and it's not so much about her at all. I think about what droids bring to the overall Star Wars world, and they've been underutilized in recent, but I think K2SO is the perfect example of how well they can be utilized. And, I mean, BB-8's cool and all, but I don't think BB-8 remotely captures what droids captured in George Lucas's Star Wars. Okay. Uh, BB-8's cool and BB-8's cute, but BB-8 is not... BB-8 was... His purpose in The Force Awakens is just R2's purpose in A New Hope. R2 is both kind of uh, the the audience view of the scenario, and he's also the underrated hero, Mm -hmm. much like K2SO is. He provides that kind of blank, blunt response... And ultimately saves the day for the team. The other thing about uh, BB-8 is that all those other droids, R2 and K2SO, seem like they've been around and they've got stories to tell. Yeah. BB-8 just kind of seems fresh out of the box. Absolutely. And so I just, I feel with L3, uh, while with Otodote seems very experienced, is just obnoxious and does not necessarily fit that standard. Like, I don't remotely relate to L3. And I think that's the wonderful part of the droids is that sometimes they're the most relatable characters and they're not even human. Right. And I think that's why L3, and although some people could find L3 relatable because it's, there's definitely a person like L3 out there in the world. (laughs) There's a lot of them. Yeah. But I just generally don't like those people. Uh, I find her, I find the character so abrasive and annoying uh, that that's really, I just, I just don't like the character. And I'm able to view L3 as a character, which is a good thing, but I just don't like the character at all. Does it bother you that her consciousness is imbued into the Falcon that we know? No, because I've done nothing wrong with the consciousness. I thoroughly liked L3 as a character in The Last Shot book. Oh, right. A book yeah. I didn't even really like. Yeah. But I really liked L3. I was excited for the character. I hated Phoebe Waller Bridge's interpretation of the character. And so I've got nothing wrong with theoretical L3 being in the Falcon, because that means. L3 never has to speak again. Right. Which means that's, that solves the one issue I have. Okay. I think, I think fundamentally the concept works. I like everything about it. I hate the execution. I actually disagree. I think fundamentally the problem with that character is that it's a droid at all. Like, I think that smarmy Lando pulling off all of the shit that he pulls off, he needs a bodyguard, not unlike Chewie, not some little droid who whines. Yeah, no, that that's fair. Uh, I, he definitely should have a brute, um, a Bosk-type sort of enforcer. Um, or, but I mean, then again, you had Mild Meek Lobot in um, the original <laughs> trilogy and Neen Num. Uh, so Lam- Lando's sidekicks have not necessarily been the brutes like Chewie. I guess because he talks his way out of stuff. Yeah, and also like, I mean, he doesn't necessarily he can talk his way out of anything. So right. He doesn't necessarily he can pick whoever he has for different reasons. It doesn't L three. It's the navigational ability. That's what he's able to really get there. So right. So is he a great pilot? No, Lando. I don't think. I think that's part of it. Uh, but to the same extent, yes, because he does. Uh, save the day and return of the Jedi. But I do believe it's like night and day between him and Han. I think Lando's a good pilot, but 
Han is as good as it gets for those who don't have the Force. Right. No, I think that's probably true for sure. Yeah, I think there's a sizable gap between Han and Lando's flying abilities. I think Lando makes up for it in style. More interesting character in this 20 to me is Dryden Voss, who... We did forget to mention the just murder he does in the first second we see him. Yeah, I wrote down uh, who who is that person referred to as regional governor. Hmm. Do we know anything about the regional governor? No, I mean, that's a vague political term. They just to make it seem like he has power over p- powerful people. Yeah, so the regional governor, um, from an imperial perspective, uh, so certain I guess planets and sectors are clumped together, and so governors would be in charge of those specific areas. Uh, and in some instances, governors would be in charge of just a singular planet. Like, for ex- example, uh, Governor Price was uh, an important character in Rebels right. and was the governor of the Lothal region. And so, but why would uh, Dryden have beef with one of these regional governors? Uh, not not necessarily beef, but it shows the reason that's done there is to just illustrate. And they even show some like high ranking Imperials ar- around the room that he's of a level where he's the kind of criminal who fraternizes with the big wigs in the political world. He's right. the kind of criminal who's well, killing your like the politicians behind closed doors. He's a scary Michael Cohen. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's not a Michael Cohen, but No, but like in, you. In, you know what I mean, just in terms of that's the circles that he's right. a, a criminal in. Right. And so he's kind of like the the face of the professional angle of their criminal organization whereas Maul's a little bit more of the the dark and seedy. I'm assuming Darth Maul is going to go have a meeting with Jabba the Hutt, and right. uh, Dryden Voss is going to go have a meeting with uh, Wilhelm Tarkin. Well, that and there's something especially scary about a guy with scars all over his face who still wears a nicely tailored suit. Yes, and when he gets angry, the scars inflame. I know, which is very cool. It is very cool. A Paul Bettany, we said since the beginning, ever since he was cast. Yeah, it's great fit. He's just he has the face of someone who belongs in Star Wars. It's kind of a shame we'll probably never see him again. Probably not. I'm really excited, though. Like, Michael K. Williams, who was initially supposed to be the character, I really want to come back to Star Wars. Yeah, he had a good spirit about it. Yeah, it seems appropriate. I I find it interesting because some of Dryden's guards are the same species that Michael K. Williams would have been. Oh. Um, Yeah. The character would have been. Yeah, it's kind of like part lion species. I forget what it's called. I Um, think he's better as a humanoid person. I agree. Yeah. I'm not sure why. Is it is it maybe to imply that there's some kind of like sexual relationship between he and Kira? And is there? I think that's what's kind of implied a little bit. I think it's. I think you're kind of supposed to see it as. Well, he walks out and he says, uh, "I see you've already met my top lieutenant." As if to say, like my girlfriend, my Kira. But he says, "I see you've met my top lieutenant." Yeah, I. He see... also calls her darling or my dear or something. I later see on. it a little bit more as. Uh, Stockholm syndrome kind of relationship, probably not. But I, I think he knows, like, it's an ownership situation. She knows this. She knows that it's her job to be his top lieutenant, and I'm sure there are a lot of benefits he gains from that. Well, that and he, he kind of uh, demonstrates that he has a weird, eerie charm with all the people who are beneath him because mm. when he first sees Beckett, right. are you all right? Are you hurt? No, I'm fine. 
shows him like a little bit of compassion. I'm sorry I mean, to hear about Val. I'm sorry to hear about Val. It's not really sincere. No. Because then he's immediately like, you fucked this up. How do I not kill you? Right. <laughs> but it's like he's going through the motions of of being a, a good boss, a good leader, mm-hmm. a nice guy. Yeah. Like, and, and I mean, I get that's a little bit of a cliche when it comes to supervillains is, I'm trying to be reasonable with you here and look what you keep doing to nice me. But it's nice because there's not that many villains like that in Star Wars. You're right. You're right. There are very few, which is kind of cool. Jabba the Hutt's a little bit like that. A little bit, yep, for sure. And that's why it's nice to kind of get a similar style character, because it fits. Right. I think that's true. Um, a lot of... Uh, there's, there's a theme among the, the, the group, the populace of this little party, this little uh, cocktail mixer that they're having. A lot of people have flat heads. Flat heads? What do you mean? There's like a lot of people whose like, heads were cut off at... Oh, I'm so happy you brought this at up. At the eyebrow. Because that's what I was hoping you were going to be They're very up. upsetting to look at. But then there's also the I, music I know performer. the full history of those, just so you know. I'm excited to hear it. Also, the music performer has a flat thing on top of her head. And I wonder, is there something to do with like flat top heads? So really interesting. That's not something that was created for Solo. Okay. It was created a long time ago in Legends. And is actually... Uh, do you remember when we did the a new hope episode and talked about dr evazan and ponda baba no dr evazan and ponda baba are the two guys who harass luke in the cantina the cantina okay uh so dr evazan is a criminal doctor and he at this like this part was later made canon as a result of solo but he was dryden voss's personal doctor okay and so but essentially what was existing long-term in, in, in canon was they're called the decraniated. And okay. so Dr. Evazan, that's kind of a, a long-known uh, project of Dr. Evazan. He would uh, decraniate individuals and Ooh. turn them into servants. And he so, would lobotomize them. Yeah, essentially they remove the key elements that allow them to be able to have uh, agency. agency and their own personalities. And so they've just become... Uh, human slaves to whomever owns them and so at this particular time he was working for dryden voss and supplying him with his decraniated servants but that was what dr evazan was known for that's evil even for star wars yeah that's like a crazy mad scientist like b plot oh yeah he's a hard he is a mad scientist absolutely and ponda baba is his like medical servant sorry his medical like sidekick that's so interesting yeah okay so it's kind of a cool little uh thing that they threw in there for those who and, and that's the thing solo does a wonderful job of doing shout outs to people who love the little things like that in yes. star wars yes and that's just why it's such a shame that it misses on the overall plot do we have any other uh observations about that little cocktail mixer anything that kind of stands out to you like i wanted to talk about the first interaction between kira and han mm. like they obviously have very different demeanors but he doesn't even seem to be... Re- he's so excited as, as to see her. He's not even registering the fact that she's like, Whoa, Nellie. I, I was coming back for you. It's in the past, Han. Not for me. The only reason I'm here, I was doing this job, get a little money, and then I was going to come back to Corelli and find you. Well, you didn't have to. And he's he doesn't even get upset about that. No, he's just he's, like, it's so great to see he's you. He's so delusional with yeah. his stupid big grin. Yeah. I don't like his smile. His big shit-eating grin. His shit-eating grin, it is not a Han Solo shit-eating grin. No, he does it in the in the Sabacc game, too. It's too cheesy. Yeah. Uh, it needs to be more sly. Yeah. Uh, so that's a little annoying. But yeah, he he's definitely, he's like a little kid in that scene. Yeah, it's it's... I mean, she does. She, it's actually the best acting she, acting she does in the movie. She like gives him a little bit of a whoa clingy alert kind of look. Hmm. I actually think she's pretty decent in the movie. 
She's okay. She has a bad rap for being a, a poor actress. Yeah, she does. I The more I watch actually in the movie, the more I like the character. Okay. I think Kira's a solid character, to, to be honest. It's okay, I guess. I, I th- But I, I think it's a character that everything they did was great for the setup of a character that, I mean, eventually we will learn more on. But the plot, like the character development you get with Kira is what you want with fucking Han. Yeah, that's like, right. It, you get way more character development from a character that is brand new than one that we had so much info going in on where you really could have done that with. Well, and she's actually morally ambiguous. Whereas yeah, Han absolutely. is just like this great little hero on a skateboard. Oh, I know, which is you know, the whole other thing. It's, he doesn't get jaded nearly enough. I made an observation during the card game. The, car- sure. the cards are made of leather. Mm-hmm. Have we ever seen paper in Star Wars? That's an interesting thought i don't know probably not pretty much everything that's red is on like some kind of computer screen most yeah most things are hollows yeah and that well that's the other thing is like that's a good point projections probably not parchment of any kind the scrolls i guess the texts in the last jedi oh 100 those are books yeah there you go there you go there's your paper first time well in the jedi archives there's got to be books in there but in the jedi archives previously it was all like computer files it was all digitized yeah there's got to be books though there's definitely books in the Star Wars. Well, universe. I mean, there's there's trees in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, but some planets maybe less so than others. But there is definitely less need for paper. That's an interesting observation. Yeah, I'm full of those. Here's my other uh, little nitpick about this twenty because we've just kind of teased at what the well, not just teased at what the Kessel Run is. We've outwardly explained exactly what the Kessel Run is going to be yes. at this point. They completely we haven't seen it yet, but they say this is exactly where it is, why it's a a bit of a chore, and how we're going to pull it off, and it's going to be. Uh, a stressful third act for this film. Well, the only known source of astatic coaxium is a fissure vent beneath the spice mines on Kessel. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. That's a very, very good one. See, the Pikes control Kessel. Crimson Dawn maintains a fragile alliance with the Pikes. It's one that I can't jeopardize without risking an all-out war with the syndicates, and that, gentlemen, I will not do. So if... Uh, That's all you have. I think we're done here. Not all we have. We don't have any alliance with the Pikes. Right, and so nobody's going to know we're working for you. Yes, which is annoying to know exactly how it's going to happen. Right. Uh, It's funny to me that they have a name for it, a conventional name for it, like Kessel Run. New move. We're making the Kessel Run. Considering the unconventionality of this chore. Mm. Like, basically, no one's ever done this before. It can't be done. It's You're not going to be able to pull it off. Let's go on the Kessel Run. TM. I see it as more of a, just a, a common term within the criminal underworld. So, like, you pick a target, like the Kessel Run, right. whether it's the Mines of Kessel, or the Scarif Run, or like... I don't know, the, Kira says, new move, we're making the Kessel Run. Like, it's... Like, someone's going to know what that means. Yeah, but I think at the same time, there are certain... It, it has been made. There's the, the reason why it's, like, it's impressive that Han's done it in 12 is because it oh, usually true. takes a lot more. So it's a place that's been robbed for sure. Right. Uh, it's probably one of those like probably key areas. There's probably like key s- syndicate, like corrupt, highly hit targets in the galaxy. My other uh, nitpick is that it's awful convenient that Lando offers up his ship in the in when they're betting when they're throwing down stuff like they have talked about their ships and they've talked about how they're impressed with each other other ships. Oh, but Han like, goats him into it though. He doesn't, though. He, yes, he does. He lays the, he plants the seeds for that at the beginning. Did you win your ship playing cards? Oh, I've won a lot of things. I once won a subtropical moon in the Ocean Belt. Wow. 
Turned out to be a real money pit. <laughs> I'm impressed. I don't think I'd have the nerve to gamble with something I love as much as my ship. Really? Yeah. What do you fly? VCX 100. Mm. That is a quality ship, right, boys? It's the fastest in the galaxy, but there, there's a lot of great ships out there. I mean, I'm sure yours is very nice. Gets me where I'm going. It seems like he incepted him or something. A little bit. Hip, hypno, hypnotically speaking. But that's doable. I guess. I don't know. It's word, just another like, thing that Han is like too good word at. Word association and suggestion. Yeah, Han is too good at a lot of things. He's too good at everything. Yeah. He's he not knows. He's not clumsy enough in this movie. He, he, he's, cl he's clumsy, Han. I think they want you to think he's clumsier than he is. He doesn't do anything wrong in this movie besides get a ship stuck in an alley. Yeah, I don't know. He tries to pull the blaster on Savarine a little bit later. There's a couple things. I guess so. Not many. Do you have any quotes you want to bring up? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh Han, um, let's drink two and see where it goes. That's right. What should we drink to? Let's drink two and see where it goes. That's a really good line. It's a really good line for anything. Yeah. No matter what you're writing, put alcohol in it and put that line in it. It's, it's really, really good. good. Yeah. Uh, Dryden's line of let's eat a little, drink a lot and talk privately. Yeah, that's good. It's very, it's very, um, it's very, it's like a yacht line. It's something you'd say yes. if you're creepy. He's arrogant. We'll find a ship. We've already got the pilot. <laughs> he is arrogant and he's hungry and he's hungry that's the name of the episode right 100 it's got to be also it's in the past han i think that's fine new move we're making the kessel run shush grown-ups are talking uh everything you've heard about me is true absolutely yeah it's a good one just uh, one more thing if you fail me again we'll be all out of options that's creepy yeah um what are you doing with Harry and the boy? I know you don't like the execution, but it's a funny line. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Uh, and I like the way Han said, this game is fun. Yeah, that's true. It was good. I admire anyone who can crawl out of a sewer, especially a sewer as putrid as Corellia. That stench, am I right? Mm. I like that Dryden Voss. Yeah, he's good. Do you like his little blade things? Yeah, you made the clever uh, realization that that's 100% an homage to Darth Maul's double-bladed lightsaber. Seems like it's probably it's a foreshadow. It's got to be, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very subtle one, but that it's got to be, of sorts. Yeah. Do you have any trivia? Oh, okay. You already uh, you already said the answer to, to my Padawan question, but I'll ask Which it to Padawan? you anyway. Uh, what discount does Lando give our heroes to take the Kessel Run as a job? Well, the discount he gives would be 50%. No, 75%, because they do it for 25. Yes. Right. But he initially wanted 50, so 50% discount. All right. Uh, what exactly did Beckett and, and then Han promise to steal for Dryden? Uh, what exactly did they promise to steal? Unrefined coaxium. Uh, 100 cases, 100 units. Very close. Yeah? Yeah, 100 K grams of coaxium. Uh, I knew it was Refined 100. was the initial promise. Okay. So what has to be done to it to refine it? I, I It's a chemical thing destabilizing. It's I'm sure there's a nuclear equivalent on Earth for something like this. I guess, this. but in and itself is, is a MacGuffin, right? It's just like, we don't, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't is. matter. It's just no, like a it, generic thing. It's that's like there. a nuclear-esque type technology, something that could blow the fuck up if not handled correctly, but it's... Which is also convenient for plot and suspense. But it's also, <laughs> like, coaxium is, ex like, extremely powerful because yep. remember they put, like, just a drop of it in the engine of the Falcon to, like, right. shoot it out of the, whatever that thing's called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, plutonium or whatever. It's kind of like that. Where does Kira suggest you'd be hard pushed to find the necessary coaxium? 
Uh, you could get it on Scara from Mercy Island. Yeah, what's Mercy Island? I don't know. It was lame. It's very lame, right? Like, islands in general, to discuss islands is kind of curious in Star Wars. I just but... think of it as, like, Pirate Island or, like, Tortuga. Yeah. Mercy Island is yeah. such a lazy name, but I'm curious. Because Scarif it... is in Rogue One. And so that was kind of a... Yeah, you, can, you can't nod. find it, except for those who already know where it is. Right, exactly. Exactly. Tortuga. Um... My night question would be, what is Lando short for? You're kidding. I. It's mentioned at the very, very end of the, it's the last line in the twenty. Lan Lando, Lan. I mean, obviously, I don't know. L three calls him that. She says it in the movie. It's she says not his, just like she extended? says his full name to like as like a scolding measure. That's funny that I wouldn't have picked up on that. Uh, I don't know. Marlon Lando. Landonis. Landonis. Yeah, he's, uh, his full name is like Landonis Balthazar Calrissian the Third, or so something. So it's like Adonis. So like someone who's just perfect and handsome. And... That's a guess probably. Yeah. yeah. Good point. That's a good catch. Uh, that's kind of, did they make that up for this movie or was that already existing in? in... I don't know. I just, I, I looked up that the full name is uh, Landonis, like whatever that Barth. Bathazar the third or Calrissian the third or something. So my guess is it already existed in Legends. So here's my master question for you. And I think it's a little tricky. What card did Lando illegally swap in to win to win the hand? Han had already played the green Silop, so it must have been that one. It was the green Silop, but in trying to look up the spelling of Silop, I discovered that there is no such card in Sabak. I looked at all the I, I looked at a list of all of the cards that and how to play. And Where did you look? On Wikipedia. On Wikipedia? Because which form of Sabacc? I mean, I don't know. Because there's multiple forms of Sabacc. Okay. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Um, I forget. There's a main form of Sabacc, and then there's like a- other forms of Sabacc, but I believe I, I think they're playing a certain type here. It must be out there that Lando cheats, right? Like, he's obviously a sloppy cheater. I like that. No, he's not. He's a smooth cheater. But Han catches him because he can count cards. I mean, it's they're both cheating. Han's just cheating. Another thing that Han's good at, he shouldn't be good at. Th- this one kind of works. Except he's only played a couple times. That's a lie. Yeah, maybe. And like it, like him in mispronouncing Sabak is also not intentional. I think by La- like Lando going to the Han and forever mispronouncing Han yeah. is a bit of a slap at his mispronunciation of Sabak. So this is uh, Sabak? Sabak. Sabak. Got it. Can I ask you a question, Captain Calrissian? Anything, Han? It's Han, but that's okay. Maybe, or maybe it's just to undermine Oh, of course. Han. It's a bit of both. Yeah. Because he's just almost trying to like, put up his walls a bit. Right. Um, my, uh, my master question is, uh, where does Lando own a subtropical moon? Oh, I know this, too. I mean, I don't really, but I, I heard it and I thought, ah, that's going to come up in the podcast. I don't know. What is it? The Ocean Belt. Ocean Belt. Yeah. Oh, well. Tried my best. I have nothing else. I have nothing else for this. Uh, just uh, what won the 20? Dryden Voss in general. I thought he's a he's a boss. Yeah. Dryden Voss, his yacht. Uh, I like Lando being a cheater. I think that fits for the character. Sure. Um, other than that, the only thing I really had was uh, just it was nice to get the call out to Aura Singh uh, when Lando mentioned that. You're Tobias Beckett. You killed Aura Singh. Pushed her. Pretty sure the Far killed her. You did the galaxy a favor that day. 
Me especially. I owed her a lot of money. Right, that's a good line. That's a really good line. But Orising, she was was kind of like Boba Fett's surrogate mother-ish. Oh. Uh, She was a bounty hunter, one of the most prolific, uh, and kind of took Boba Fett in after Jango died. uh, And they did a lot of work together. Uh, They worked a lot with Bosk. um, And she was just a a very well-known, very, very dangerous bounty hunter. Uh, She's also seen in The Phantom Menace. Uh, She's the one with the ponytail on top of her head, and she's very white-skinned. Okay. And she's shooting a sniper rifle during the pod race. Surrogate mom for Boba Fett. Well. Killed by Beckett. Yeah. That is kind of good. Yeah, it ties it it together nicely. It fits in in the world. And also, it is a good way to illustrate to us, I mean, if you know that much about these mm-hmm. people, which 99% of people don't, it's a good way to illustrate to us that this Beckett is no slouch. Yeah, absolutely. He takes names. Yeah, because this is somebody who was one of the few, was probably the well, probably the most well-known of all the bounty hunters in the Star Wars world who we didn't really know of fate for, except for like Cad Bane. Okay. Um but even on that same note, Cad Bane's another person that we all want to find out the fate on, but likely we'll find out in the Clone Wars. Well, like you said, there's a lot of references in Solo to other stuff. That yeah, is which is really nice. Yep, you're right. Yep. But there's like, and maybe it's just because this is a very chatty movie mm-hmm. and written by better screenwriters than the last three Star Wars movies we've watched in this podcast. Um, but there's almost like a language to this movie that if you don't know every little detail like you, you just kind of have to be like, I don't know what that is, but that's okay. I don't know what the green Psylop is. I don't know what. True, but there's something nice about that. And no, I... no, it's very fun. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, because it's it. Star Wars is always supposed to be like that, and if you know too much, it's almost it almost takes a little bit away from it. Because yeah. that was one thing that was really nice is that as much as the galaxy was lived in, everything was so new in the original trilogy. But it's it should so different it, for what we had seen. It should feel foreign. And then the prequels felt so foreign that people hated them because they were foreign even though they should have felt foreign right so yeah that's true aaron sorkin talks about the value of starting a scene in the middle of a conversation because and i think he gets that from like socrates or like one of these like authorities Mm. on writing good drama is that it's much more intriguing to an audience if they don't know if they don't understand everything that's going on or if they have to play catch up and it's kind of a similar principle to that like if you're throwing in this uh these these verb this verbiage that i don't totally understand as long as i don't get lost yeah it's just going to show me that there's work to be done here Mm -hmm. and that also that our creator has taken care exactly yeah okay is that all we have pretty much all we have we can get right to the news which there's almost nothing in okay um the mandalorian has been uh, rumored to be re- renewed already for season two yeah i mean is what it's are people not gonna watch it come on well i think that's just extra emphasis that everyone involved is very happy with the product yeah true which is just very encouraging it's bold though because it's not like a new netflix show has already gotten renewed for its second season it's on a new streaming service yep However, it would. I'm expecting Dave Filoni to be the one to continue the ship. Yeah, I'd be surprised if John Favreau stayed on as involved as he was with season one. No, he'll, he'll Dave be, Filoni's the showrunner already, so he'll probably be some kind of tertiary executive producer on it. Yeah, yeah. I think he likely got his his plot he wanted out here. So, um, Anthony Daniels will be at Star Wars Celebration. Thanks for making it a big deal right whatever Anthony Daniels you care way more than we do <laughs> except apparently he matters in this movie he does I'm really excited I hope he does right. a lot um the leak poster that we chatted about last week uh I still believe it's a, a leaked uh design for a retailed poster 
Mark Hamill says he thinks it's fan made, but that's Mark Hamill just being Mark Hamill. Yeah, he's just being difficult. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that there's definitely some issues with it, and if it is fan made, they did a phenomenal job taking the f- like just blurry, obscured little fragments of leaks that we've seen in compiling a pretty impressive poster. So I'd be shocked. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like it's, the poster, but it's not fan-made. Yeah. The, it At worst, it's a leak of a draft of a poster. That's possible. Yeah, which is very possible, which a lot of people think it is. And that's, yeah. that's dual, potentially. Yeah. Mark Hamill was teasing people on Twitter with some big secretive announcement of a secret project. And and uh, I mean, it seemed like it could have been Star Wars. And then it turns out he's the voice of Chucky. In which the new, is huge. The new Child's Play. And it's also good. It's a good casting. Yeah. I mean, it makes tons of sense. But I think for horror fans, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty big get. For Absolutely. sure. So yeah. it's nice that he's back in the fold and that he's really remade a name for himself. Not to go too off track, but I saw uh, an image today of Cameron Monaghan as the Joker in like, oh, yeah? the final episodes of Gotham. And he looks scary, man. Yeah, he was incredible in that show. Yeah. Yeah, really, really psycho. I thought he did an excellent job. There's like a whole lot of Joker coming down the pike, so. Yeah, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. And That's such. right. Yeah. Um, I still have to finish Queen's Shadow okay. because uh, it's it's okay. It's, it's a little slow, uh, but I am so fucking excited for the Dooku book and Master and Apprentice that mm. I got to finish. I'm kind it. of excited for Master and Apprentice. Yeah, you should read it. I think I might. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'm, obviously I'm going to do the audiobook. I have it pre-ordered already. Um, but if that's an exceptional performance, which they usually are, I may recommend you to do that one. Yeah. The audiobooks really do have some production quality that I would highly recommend. Sure. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, geez, no, that's it. You told me something yesterday about, uh, about. Oh, that was April Fool's. Oh, it was a, it was April Fool's. It seemed like it, it was a terrible April Fool's joke. Cause like. It's too believable. The rumor was that the Old Republic show, the Benioff and Weiss show, and the Ryan Johnson show, the trilogies, might in fact be one and the same. Yeah, I mean, it it could make sense in the sense that Ryan Johnson... Is a director. Is a director and is able to be put in potentially playing in someone else's universe a little bit. But at the same time, it is expected that Ryan Johnson's writing his trilogy and that may not even be directing his trilogy. And so the only way it could have been believable would have be if something changed... And it's not ridiculous to believe that. However, I was pretty confident because only one source had it. Nah, that's kind of lame. Yeah. And it was April Fool's Day. But it took them like 15 hours to say it was an April Fool's joke. So Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's true. No, they did say it was an April Fool's joke eventually. But it took them 15 hours to say it. Star Wars is very weird with their their confirmations and their redactions. And they're very bizarre about it. But in... uh, just a little over a week, we'll uh, likely have our trailer and our title and a whole lot more. Oh, my God. Okay, that's going to enrich things. Good thing we had a short episode this week. Exactly. All right, happy birthday. Uh, some good ones, in fact, and lots of talking about him in this podcast. This Saturday, uh, April 6th, happy birthday to Billy D. Williams. Nice. Uh, next Wednesday, April 10th, a happy birthday to Max von Zito and Daisy Ridley. Ah, nice. So a couple of good ones in the next week. Happy birthday. Billy D. Uh, I don't know if it's been, if we mentioned it recently, but it is 100% confirmed that he has a pimp cane for episode nine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he's wearing his outfit from Solo. Yeah, it's, it's his exact outfit Imagine putting Solo on your almost. clothes in, eight, in your 80s that you wore in your 20s. It's a little odd, but I like <laughs> the fact. It, it does make sense. The guy who, who voices Anakin in The Clone Wars, what's his name? Uh, Matt Lanter. He had a birthday this week, too, and for some reason, people were, like, really into that it was his birthday. Oh, yeah? I don't know if it's just because, like, people consider him kind of a savior of young Anakin. Yeah, he's extremely well-liked within the Star Wars community for the fact that, I mean, Anna, Hayden Christensen was kind of bullied 
for the role, and Jake Lloyd was hardcore bullied for yeah. the role. And so Matt Lanter's kind of the only Anakin that's been appreciated and hasn't been driven away by the fan base. Sure. And he's also has produced us the landslide best Anakin in the Clone Wars, which is one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. Like Anakin Vader is my like second favorite character. He plays him in Rebels, too. Oh, no, Rebels, he's Vader. Yeah, yeah. but in that same vein, Anakin's one of my favorite characters— and that's because of what he did in the Clone Wars, yeah, yeah. combined with what we have as Vader in the movies. He, like, um, Matt he, Lanter is a star for Star Wars. He played Liam in the 90210 reboot. He played the token bad boy. Ah. So he he, he, he had a career <laughs> shift, <laughs> to say the least. Happy birthday to him as well. Um, okay, uh, that's all we have to say? I think so. Watch the first 80 minutes of Solo, A Star Wars Story to be uh, caught up to our point by next week's podcast. In the meantime, send your thoughts to at Recorder66 on Twitter, Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Rate and review on iTunes. And in the meantime, may the force be with you. Mm -hmm.